Welcome to the Essential HR Podcast, where today I sit down with Elizabeth Dillon, HR pro speaker and author from Revolutionary HR, where we discuss the importance of employee care and employee engagement in your organization. This program is not intended to constitute legal advice and is for general educational purposes only. If you do need legal advice, please contact your own attorney. Welcome to the Essential HR Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gorman, here today with Elizabeth Dillon, our first two-time visitor to the um, Essential HR Podcast. Uh, Welcome, Elizabeth. Uh, thanks for taking the time to to be on the show again, and uh, just wanted to um, maybe have you get started and just give a little brief rundown about uh, who you are, what you do, uh, your career, maybe some of the things that uh, the highlights you have going on. Maybe a lot going on right now, so just maybe fill the audience in on what uh, what's happening in your world today. Sure. So just a little bit about me in case you guys haven't heard the the first season podcast. I've got a bachelor's of business and science with an HR concentration, graduated college, went into an HRIS company, so that way I'd be well-rounded, then joined the Michigan Assurance Board, which is a local HR organization, which is excellent because you get to learn from mentors who have much more experience, and then you have lawyers on the board you can ask (laughs) hypothetical questions to. Good point. Excellent networking. well-rounded person and then I won a 2019 Sherman scholarship for the certification exam so really excited about that and then I took it earlier this year in 2020 right before the pandemic broke out and I passed thank goodness no pressure there awesome congratulations <laughs> yeah well and then yeah and I thought <laughs> it was funny because I was expecting to be so well-rounded now I've got a college degree, I've got HRIS experience, I've got a SHRM certification, and now I've got board like leadership experience. And with the pandemic hitting, I'm like, how am I supposed to get a job? Because <laughs> in HR, you have to choose the most qualified candidate. And I'm qualified in as in well-rounded, but as in qualified, I don't have actual like trench HR experience. How am I supposed to get hired in the pandemic? <laughs> so right. I was a little, little worried about that. Um, so I actually took time to heal in HR. We talked about utilizing employee assistance programs. And in my presentation, I actually plug new avenues. They are a local organization that yes. a lot of HR departments like to utilize. And I, I took our own advice and I was healing. And I, I even got a psychologist and worked through some stuff and was like, I want to heal to be better, to take on the world. And I think that's kind of what 2020 taught me is that everyone kind of needs time to pause, to reflect, to heal, to grow. And I'm hoping that as everyone keeps saying, when can we go back to normal? I hope that never happens. I hope that 2020 is the start of best practices for organizations for them to really lead the way. I hope that we can bring our best selves to our relationships and our, our employers. I just really hope that we can start lighting the way. So with that being said, life has been a bit hectic. Um, with being unemployed, I was just kind of, um, working with people if they had needed any advice for their resumes or for interviews and and interviewing veterans for another presentation. And then my husband deployed and it got chaotic. So it's been, um, a heck of a year, man. Um, I think (laughs) in my presentation, I referred to it as a dumpster fire yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you and you're um you're an author as well, right? So you've uh, just published or that, 
or was back in 2020, right? You published oh, like your second book, right? Wow. Maybe talk about, oh. yeah. Uh, could you maybe uh, really quickly just talk about those and um, how you came to, to arrive at um, you know, being an author and being published? It's super cool. Super cool stuff. Thank you. So I can tell you that it's, it's honestly like every single moment that has happened in my life has intrinsically led to me being to this. And that sounds insane because people are like, oh, it's cliche to say everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, right? right. But essentially, I landed a Bethel University um, uh, speaking engagement so I could speak in front of the HR people. And it was about my purpose and my path and my passion. So I told them it. I went through a life-changing car accident where I was a first responder to a man who had been hit by a car and it was life-changing and I was actually afraid to share it because it also shook my face like wait does everything happen for a reason because this guy died and um essentially I went to my pastor and asked him do I share faith because in HR and business you're not supposed to talk about faith it's a protected thing that we don't talk about so we don't discriminate so we're not legally liable and he was like, share it. It's a Christian college. You'd be insane not to. Right. So I share my path, how it inspired me, how it made me reaffirm I knew I was on the right path. And because of that, the students had to write uh, papers uh, on all of the speakers that attended their, their, their class. And so the, the teacher gave me feedback, excerpts. And all of it was like, she is so motivational the most passionate speaker we've ever had. I wanted to leave the, the city and look for a job, and now I'm going to chase my dreams. Like, <laughs> so that was phenomenal. So I started putting that on social media. I went and created Revolutionary HR. I put it on my website then. So it's like we kind of inspired each other. I put it on my LinkedIn, and then I went to conferences where I networked and met other speakers. And one of the speakers is an, an international award-winning speaker who's also a Forbes contributor. So her name's Bridget Hawkins McGowan. And she owns her own publishing company. Wow. So she saw on LinkedIn my student feedback. She invited me into her first book. And it says that it's owned the microphone. How 50 of the world's um, most... Oh, him. Vicious? I think it's ambitious. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got so excited. I almost lost track of it. You're gonna pull a signed copy out right there, right? <laughs> I am because the ADHD is on fire today. So I was like, I had the train of thought, and then it just disappeared. So it's how fifty of the world's best professional speakers launched their career, and how you can too. That's awesome. And so, yes, Great I get stuff. so excited. So she let me be in that, and it was. I did, you know, a great job and she really liked me. And then because of the fact that I was in the first book, everyone in the first book, they could have submitted an excerpt into her second book and I got selected for it. And how I knew I was selected, she sent me a private message and said, my editorial team just gave me your second version. I almost cried. She was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So the second book is called Redesign Your 9 to 5, Advice and Strategies from 50 of the World's Most Ambitious Business Owners and Entrepreneurs. So essentially, I was blending both books in my first chapter. That's awesome. But that, that, it was like intrinsic that I had to do every single step to get to where I am now. Yeah. And honestly, I'm so thankful for the time that I took to heal because you can't lead people unless you have healed. You can't lead people unless you are in a good state to do so. 
Right. So I'm really excited and thankful. And I want to share my creative ideas for employee engagement because yes. the world needs some more best practices. I have seen and heard a whole lot and I'd like to change the game. <laughs> no, that's you're absolutely right. I think um, uh, when I was thinking about, you know, launching season two here and you know, what could we really start with? What topic could we start with? I thought employee engagement, employee care, it's just you hear it and you see it all the time on LinkedIn, HR groups mm -hmm. talking about it, uh, companies uh, wanting to engage with their employees and really needing to engage with their employees now, given the fact that you know most of us are remote and, and uh, um, now we're getting used to it, I think. But uh, still, it's important to have you know companies um, engage with their employees. And I thought that would be a great topic to have you back on and, and kind of get started with. So I guess maybe to start... Um, you know, the, the show, maybe talk, you mentioned a little bit about employee engagement, but I know you mentioned that's something you speak about all the time when you do your, you know, when you're out speaking to, to groups, maybe talk about employee engagement, what it means to you, what your thoughts are on, on what it, what it is. Cause I think it means something to everyone, I mean, something different to everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's funny you say that because the first thing I did is go and Google the definition just to make sure <laughs> sure. everyone's on the same page. So What's the definition of employee engagement? Employee engagement is a fundamental concept in the effort to understand and describe both qualitatively and quantitatively the nature of the relationship between an organization and its employees. An engaged employee is defined as one who is fully absorbed by and enthusiastic about their work and so takes positive action to further the organization's reputation and interests. Mm. That is enlightening. It because is. That's how I run. Like on 150, engaged, ready to give it all, my all. Ready to go. Uh, ready yep. to help, help the team, ready to promote my organization. I come in fully engaged, right? right. And what I have encountered lots of stories and personal experience is that there are disengaged employees running the organization and creating havoc oh no <laughs> and absolutely and i um we'll get, i think we'll get to it later but i wrote um something yeah. down i want to share at the end that is um and from that article that uh, you and i read and to prepare for this but um yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to wait till the end because it's really, um, really enlightening. It's almost frightening, this statistic yeah. I pulled out, pulled out here. But um, yeah, that's a great definition. And I mean, you know, there, there are organizations that excel at employee engagement, you know, others might struggle. But for those that are getting it right, you know, um, in today's work environment, what are they doing, in your opinion, that maybe other organizations are not doing? It's funny you say that because I I literally thought about COVID and COVID made people step up. So I wrote employee happiness uh, is via self-efficacy. Um, it's the most important. It, employees want to be motivated, right? And before COVID, some employers were hesitant just to let their employees work from home. We can't trust them. Right. We can't manage them. But COVID forced them to adapt, and they're now seeing that overhead is lowered due to less electricity and break room supplies. Some are even considering leaving positions permanently at home because they realize they can track metrics via productivity and other software programs, depending on what your company utilizes. Sure. So in my presentations, I talk about the nine professional motivators from Krugelotten. So yeah. two years ago when I started this journey, Krugelotten 
essentially worked with convergence coaching to create the top nine professional motivators and they applied them to millennials. But what people don't understand in my presentation is that these motivators apply to everyone. And so it's, it's literally like acknowledgement and feedback, transparency and communication, leading edge technology and efficient processes, right. compensation and benefits, flexible time off. And they just want that mentorship and, and, and feedback, communication, and, you know, just that, that reciprocity and loyalty. Right. So I think that the employers that are standing out, that are getting it right, they're the ones implementing best practices and letting innovation lead the way. Much like Google, empowering your employees to work in whatever way makes them most comfortable to in turn then be productive. So that way you are profitable. So if you want to work on a couch in your jeans with your laptop, right. done. Show right. me what you can do because you're relaxed and in your element. And that's the key. And that's what I talk about in my, in my presentations. I'm like, instead of blaming the turnover on just your employees, we need to take a hard look in our organizations. And something that I've noticed is that either you're proactive or reactive in your organization. Mm -hmm. Are you someone who likes the way you're always trying to be innovative and um, make incremental changes to keep up? But not even keep up. It's like you're setting the benchmarks for your industry. You're the organization that's the employer of choice. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the organization people want to be in. If you're in a reactive organization where all you're doing is chasing fire, that shit gets so tiring. <laughs> you get so burnt out, and there's no time for innovation because you were so busy trying to make sure you're putting out the fires. Right. Oh no, you're so, absolutely right. Come on, guys. Like you can't be reactive. <laughs> People are tired. They are tired. Let's change it up. Right. So I think it's important to understand that when you do the proactive approach, that essentially you are putting an effort to make it the best organization. And you're doing that because your employees will work harder. Because you're investing in them, they will invest in their clients, their work. And that's what Herb Keller of Southwest Airlines, who is right. the CEO forever, talked yes. about. And I really align with him. He's like my spirit animal. That's a great so example. I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He was like, come on. So <laughs> in, in, in accounting, we talk about the time value of money, right? And if people don't know what that is, I'm going to go ahead and explain it. So time value of money means investing now gives you a larger return later. And we know that because we're like, start investing in your 20s so you can be a millionaire by 50. If you wait till 30, you are shit out of luck. Right, so, right. The time value of money is investing now. So employers need to invest in their people now. So that way you give them the KSAs, the knowledge, the skills, abilities to do their job. And as they grow and expand and move up in your organization, you get that ROI you were looking for. You get that profitability. So I think it's, it's intrinsically all tied together and I think some people are completely asleep on what's going sure. on in their organizations but you have to have reciprocity in the loyalty and investing and something super creative I came across was that some organizations are starting to implement unlimited PTO flex time right yes. oh my god dude insane okay <laughs> if you ask a, a group of people what they think you're going to hear a whole lot of negative nellies like you can't possibly do that right right oh, yeah. oh no we can yeah and even though you're shocked about it it's showing the employer is giving the loyalty and reciprocity back to the employees 
I trust that I hired you for a reason. I trust that you're not going to abuse this. And I don't want you stressed and anxious because you don't have enough PTO, but your kids are sick. Now you're sick. No, you brought it to the organization. Now there's 10 people sick across the company in a small company. And now you're like taking out the whole team. Like if you give them the reciprocity to understand that they don't have to be stressed all of the time, that they can stay home, that they can um, take care of their mental health, that they can just recharge their batteries. Dude, they're going to give you the same loyalty and productivity back. So I just think, and that's a huge game changer, but some people are like, you can't do that. And it's funny that they say that because the first time I saw Adam Grant, he's a professor at Wharton, who's going to be a keynote speaker for HR Indiana in August at our conference. He spoke at SHRM 2018, the national conference. There was like 22,000 attendees who came that year or something like that. Wow. And he literally did an exercise that was mind-blowing. He was like, how many of you think that employees steal in the organization? And I was like, oh, this is going to get good, right? <laughs> so he's like, raise your hand if you think no one does. And then he was like, raise your hand if you think it's like, you know, I don't know, uh, 1 to 30%. And then he's like, okay, 30 to 70. And then he's like, 70 to 90. And then he's like, all right, so who thinks it's 90 to 100, right? Right. Everyone's varying, raising their hand. And at the end he goes, I just wanted to let you know, whatever hand you raised in that category is a reflection of what you're doing. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. you have a guilty conscience because you're being shady. You're projecting. So right. for people who think that other people are going to take advantage of it, it's because inherently, subconsciously, you would. So <laughs> how about we turn the mirror back on the people? Yeah. Um, that is something that I thought was phenomenal. I was like, man, I should add that into my presentations. Yeah. Ooh, oh, sure. It would hurt a whole lot of people to wake up to their subconscious bias. So I talk about in my presentations, paradigm shifting. You can see it in politics, technology, business. And it's because with more awareness comes education. And people are now becoming aware to their self-conscious bias, to their self-sabotage, to all of the things that we carry around as invisible traumas that right. no one realizes they have until the mirror is right in front of their face. Right. So right. I think that was amazing. Like, oh, you think everyone steals, huh? Okay. All right. Well, I know where you mind yeah, too. <laughs> I, think, I think to your point too, I think that, um, you know, um, things like unlimited PTO, radical changes like that. Um, yeah. I think they scare people at first, but I think at the, in the long run, it's a huge benefit. And you're right. Most people aren't going to abuse that time off. They probably take less time if you think about it. I mean, I'd love to see some studies on what that looks like, but um, I think it gets people excited just to, and, and I think even for HR departments, think of how, and you being part of one, you know, before in the past too, where I mean, you're tracking all these PTO things and trying to come up with all these, you know, algorithms to try and figure out how much time I have off and, and, and employees saying, you know, Hey, can I take next Friday off? Well, I don't know. I, let me look it up. And those pesky questions, right? I mean, you know, think, it, it just helps to make it a better environment for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Because there's worry and anxiety. Do I have enough time? Can I take care right. of my mom who's on chemo? Like, or my grandma, because you're not protected by FMLA. And that was an issue I had. My grandma had stage four metastatic breast cancer. And I had to help with her because chemo was Monday, but by Wednesday she was sick. 
And so I, as a millennial, was expected to pick up slack and help my grandma, but I'm not protected by FMLA. So now I have to use my own PTO to help someone else who's sick. So when I'm sick, I don't have it. And you're right. From the HR perspective, I've seen clients who are like, we've got policies calculating 15 minute increments for time off. <laughs> sure. And they're like, I'm ready to pull my eyelashes out one by one because it's just too much. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. That's the thing. Take the stress away from everyone, please. Uh, let us do our jobs in peace. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so. I guess, and I think maybe we've talked about this, you know, and what you were saying, Beth, but, you know, leaving some, you know, maybe specific company names out, but what, in your professional experience, what, what other employee engagement strategies have you seen, seen work extremely well? I mean, I know the, the unlimited PTO, you know, what are your thoughts about, um, you know, employee care and things that companies are doing to really care for their employees? I am all for it. So in college, my professor said, you can get pretty creative in this. He said he encountered a company that had a massage therapist on staff that employees could utilize up to an hour every day. But obviously, it had to be scheduled. And if you're a large organization, you might need a team of them. If you understand, if you lower the stress levels of your employees, that they will be more productive. And so other organizations allow yoga instructors to come in and teach on lunch to help people breathe and meditate so they can go back to work and focus. Sure. Amazing. Sure. But something that came from my presentation that is exactly why I do what I do. The point is to inspire people, to create change. An HR friend of mine came up to me and she was like, I work at a law firm. Some of the things you talked about, we couldn't implement because it depends on strategy and and organization, industry, and jobs. So I'm like, okay, right? She goes, I drove home, couldn't stop thinking about it. I came up with something super creative because I talked about flex time. She built a business case, took it to the C-suite. They approved it. She got to pilot summer hours for a a year. Um, It went so well. They're going to continue doing it every year moving forward. That's awesome. So that's what I'm talking about. And the reason why flex time and PTO is so important is we are trying to balance careers and kids, but also think about it. The employer's like, you're going to leave Friday at five. If I don't ask you to stay late or have to work Saturday because we're behind, you've got to now Saturday, clean the house, mow the lawn, go grocery shopping, run the kids around. Right. But Sunday it's church, family, friends, and maybe a football game if you're lucky. And then they're like, and we'll see you right and carry back Monday. I'm I like, care on Monday morning. Like, yeah, hey, sure. No, yeah, you're right. Where did we recharge? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel recharged. I feel like I'm running thin. But so unlimited PTO is important because maybe that Monday you just need to recharge. Or maybe that Friday you just need to recharge. Or maybe you've been dealing with such a difficult client that on Wednesday, instead of pulling your eyelashes out and crying in a corner, you take the day off of your mental health. Right. No. Absolutely. (laughs) No. Absolutely. Well, and I was just thinking too. I mean, summer hours even. Oh, for sure. That that's a great point on the summer hours. Yeah, accounting firms and and for example, to do that or take a Friday off. Or yeah, that's a great point. And I was just thinking too, maybe the importance of, you know, a lot of organizations do something once, right? But it's it's ongoing. Yeah. It's the ongoing employee care. It's the ongoing. Yeah, you did this for me one time, but mm-hmm. we ongoing employee care and ongoing employee leads to ongoing employee engagement. 
would, would you agree with them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, so I having the masseuse on staff, exactly. That like letting them be able to utilize it any day of the year, not once a year, because once a year isn't enough. I'm stressed the other 364 days. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so so yeah. even yoga on lunches, and I mean, even if you did it once a week, it's still ongoing. Right. And then you're teaching them to utilize meditation and breathing skills, right. coping mechanisms that are positive. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, I know we, uh, we went and is there an article that it's back in October of 2020, but it's from a website, people managing people. And it talked about employee engagement statistics that you need to know in 2020. Obviously we're here in the beginning of 2021, but I thought it was really enlightening. You know, some of these statistics that they talk about here, um, you know, it even mentioned, you know, Gallup study concluded that behaviors of highly engaged business units result in 21% greater profitability, um, 59% less turnover, 24% less turnover. And um, it's just amazing statistics that you see from organizations that really take this to heart and really put it into play. So um, maybe what are some of the things that uh, you thought were really enlightening uh, as well as part of that article? It's funny because I chose the same piece to talk about. So I literally chose to speak about employee engagement boost results. That's exactly the same one I looked at. And I just kind of, as I was reading it and thinking about it, I literally wrote, I'm not surprised. Well, exactly. (laughs) I'm not surprised by the information in there. It's just, I don't think the C-suite necessarily sees it because they're not at the ground level and they're right. not really around enough and talking enough to see it to know it and i just wrote you can clearly see who's disengaged in an organization but people just kind of blow it off right they are the negative people coming to the meeting shooting down every idea that you have they are the people who's like well i've been here 10 years and nothing's ever going to change those are the disengaged people and they sneer while doing it, you know, like there are toxic people in our organizations and even the people who want to be productive are being influenced by them. So you need to pay attention to your culture. And if you invest in your employees to where they're not disengaged employees, they will be productive because they love the company. They like what they do. They're happy with themselves. So it wasn't shocking to see that people who like their jobs work harder. It's not shocking, but what is shocking is that things were forced to change this year, like I said. So I even wrote, the stats are rising for 2020 because employers were expected to adapt, to step up to the plate. So they were forced to implement flex time because it's a pandemic. FMLA, per the government, was forced to change to cover the benefits for employees. And then it was like remote employee policies had to be implemented immediately. Right. So the employers were forced to step up and now employees are happier because they have the freedom and grace to handle whatever life throws their way. And it lessens the anxiety to increase productivity. So it makes sense. Of course, they're going to be more productive when they feel like you're, you're working with them. So I'm not really shocked at all by Gallup saying that because I've been in situations where I brought everything I had to the table. I'm like, listen, I've got these great ideas. I've got these things. Oh my gosh, we could totally do this. And then there were people who'd sit across from me and be like, we couldn't possibly do that. And there were times where I'm like, 
why do you even ask me for ideas? <laughs> right. And, and then the other times I would fight hard enough, my ideas would get implemented, and then they worked so well that I didn't want to say I told you so. But... Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and another part of the article too, that um, this is the quote I was, I alluded to earlier, but uh, um, it said that Gallup describes actively disengaged employees as those who have miserable work experiences. And this is the part that I thought was pretty frightening, if you will, and spread their unhappiness to their colleagues. I thought that part uh, was so, so eye-opening because right, you have one disengaged employee, you know, they can spread that attitude to um, other their other colleagues departments and it could just you know snowball from there so I thought that part was really interesting oh my gosh I can tell you that firsthand not even from an HR person let's talk about me through college working through college you're like a server or a bartender you need something that's flexible to work through school hours right right I sure. have served and bartended in multiple different organizations and nothing is more toxic than a bad day because it's like lighting a fire and watching it spread. So as a server, I'd come in bright and cheery. And people would be like, why are you so happy? And I'm like, mm, hold on. Right. Rain it in. Just step back. Okay. And then other people would be like, don't talk to me until I've had a cup of coffee. And I'm like, oh, okay. Rain it in. So everyone who's happy starts to rain it in and be silent. But the people who are upset, they just start spraying it everywhere. So then on a Friday night and busy hour, everyone's pissed off because they're trying not to bump into the other pissed off person, but instead we're just pissing each other off. Right. <laughs> it's just like, oh, so by the time you go to leave, everyone is just in this, like just Twitter painted state where they are just like, I want to go. I want to get out of here. So then you've just brought down productivity because people don't want to engage and connect and work together and be a team. They only want to do what they have to do at the bare minimum to leave and then they're gone. And they're like, thank God I'm out. So right. that's what happens. And it's like a domino effect. You can literally see it just hit the entire organization in one fell swoop. But if they're high performers, people don't address it. And I've noticed that there's a lot of people in powerful positions that don't like confrontation, so they don't address it. So then these people wreak havoc because they're like, well, they bring in money. They bring in money, but do you see them? They're literally just spewing this in their entire department. And sure. some people stay and take it and they're quiet. And other people are like, dude, I'm out. I don't need this. Like, I want to take care of my mental health. I'm going to go get a job elsewhere. So, I mean, it's, it's literally something that people just gloss over and don't understand how toxic it is. Right. And then on the flip side of that, though, I mean, another point here in the article, you know, companies with engaged employees show better results when compared to those that do not. Uh, so Gallup, again, compared uh, business units with you know, high levels of engagement and uh, mentioned that uh, an engaged employee can increase productivity by 17 percent, increase customer ratings by 10 percent increase sales mm -hmm. by 20 productivity by 21% reduce mm -hmm. absenteeism by 41%. And then it goes on um, that if a, a disengaged employee can cost uh, an organization, basically 34% of their salary. So, I mean, it's just so important it, to, to really make sure that your employees are engaged in what they're doing. And um, it's just such a top of mind um, article or top of mind topic right now in the HR world. Yes. So my point that I would like to share on that is that 
Okay, so I worked at True Paper three years, and that's what we have in common. For the audience who doesn't know, Brian was at True Paper before me. I worked at True Paper after sure. him. So sure. we actually, you know, kind of have this connection. So when I worked at True Pay, I would talk about True Pay all the time in board meetings to other people. And then there were clients who were in HR who I'd see at meetings and we would talk together. So I'd tell them about cool initiatives we were coming up with and how things were going. Sure. Well, then when I started speaking, I started sharing about True Pay in my presentations. Absolutely. I, said, I was learning. I was growing. I was, I was helping people get innovative. So that way the clients wouldn't be so frustrated. I, and, and I mean, clients get frustrated with any software platform when they're first learning it because it's a crunch time and everyone's stressed out. And there's a lot of people who may need a little more time to learn it. So it's just a stressful implementation. But I was talking about how I could share best practices to help them feel better and to utilize the system, the full capacity of it. And when I went to Bethel to speak the first time, I shared about how HRS companies are a great option for HR people graduating college. Definitely. Because it gives you a competitive advantage to understand how the systems work from behind the scenes. And because I knew how to use the software behind the scenes, that is transferable skills. I was able to utilize SHRM, Michiana SHRM's software platform. It's called Star Chapter in the last one was event. Because of the skills I learned from TruePay's Inspired platform, I was able to navigate and troubleshoot in Star Chapter and Cbent because you learn these skills that are transferable. So now when I go to interviews, I'm like, I can troubleshoot and kind of guess how the configurations are, what needs to be turned on, how to troubleshoot this to make it work. Because I learned how to do that in the background at my last job. Absolutely. So, yeah. No, that's it, huge. You that's share huge. It when you're passionate, and then you inspire others, and then they're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Absolutely. So an engaged employee is going to advocate for your organization. A disengaged employee is going to spread chaos and, and fire. <laughs> right. Sure. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to, to finish up maybe uh, by asking a few questions to you, uh, Elizabeth, more about. Uh, kind of the fun side of HR here, but uh, you know, what, what do you love most about HR? And you've got a ton of experience and, and know tons of people extremely connected in the field, but you know, if you boil it down, what do you love most about, about HR? I love being an employee advocate. I think uh, most people in HR forget that they are supposed to be the intermediaries between the C-suite and the employees. Sure. And sometimes the C-suite only sees numbers. And it's HR's job to be strategic and they need to be able to translate that employee information into numbers so that way they can influence upper management. And I love inspiring business people and advocating for employees. I, I love that I get to speak and share my voice. It was one of the best decisions that I've ever made because I am younger and not as experienced as everyone else. But when I take the stage, they listen. And when they leave, it doesn't matter how old I am or how much right. experience I have. I've inspired them. And because I've inspired them, it's this ripple effect where they get to go back to their organizations and implement change. So it's like I have a greater capacity to inspire and impact the business community doing my presentations and advocating for employees that way versus being in one organization and advocating for employees in one industry, one organization, one job. So I just, I love being able to advocate for employees 
Because I think a lot of HR people are like, no, you're the advocate for the business. So I'm like, hold on. No, no. I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what advice would you give to someone wanting you know, to pursue a career uh, in the HR field? I would highly encourage them yeah. to be the change. I put that hashtag on all my social media. You be do. You do, yeah. do not let the power go to your head. Um, if you start to believe that you're above others, then you forget the fact that you should be advocating. And the reason why I say this is because we went to a conference, right? All of us, there's a bunch of HR people. Sure. And we are standing on the sidewalk and there's a sign and it says, you're not crosswalk. And I stand back and I'm like, I want to observe what these leaders are doing, right? And all of them, just like any of them, start trucking into the street. And I go, hey guys, there's a sign that says, do not crosswalk, like do jaywalk, don't do it. And they were like, we make the rules. We don't have to follow them. And I thought to myself, you're the people I'm trying to replace. Oh, <laughs> Only because you think you're superior. So that could apply to police officers, to the military, to the government. If you think that you're superior to others, you don't hold yourself accountable for your actions. You sure. don't follow them like everyone else has to. And you know what that breeds? This breeds like literally distrust, resentment, and then there's no team because your eye just took and ran away with it. Like, I don't have to follow that. All right, right your Royal Highness. Uh, right. right, sure. No, it's so a good point. I would be the change. Do not follow the status quo. Do not forget your moral compass, your integrity, your ethics. And most importantly, follow the rules that you implement. No, oh, absolutely. Great stuff. So, I, yeah, just, and, and I then, really, really need to be the change. So sorry if that sounds like no, a lot. No, be the change. No, I, I, I love that. I think that's that's great, great advice. And then, you know, what, what is one common oh, myth one common about thing. the HR field you want to maybe debunk? <laughs> I wrote that employees have a general distrust of HR because I have heard that a whole lot. Um, <laughs> not every HR person is a curmudgeon. So <laughs> right. say that sure. I am not. Um, a lot of us do care about making changes and helping employees. HR is trying to create change at the C-suite level, but it's difficult to get them on board. There are so many HR people I've talked to that are like, hey, hey, this is not legal. We have to change it. And the C-suite's like, well, we're aware, well aware of it, but we won't change until we get sued. And you're like, wait, what? Excuse me? Isn't that why Enron created the the whole situation that we needed now, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, is because people right. at the top, if you know about it, you can take each other down? Like, oh my goodness. Listen, you all know this. I'm not bringing new information to the table. You're willing to pay fines if you're caught, but you're not willing to create the changes that you need to. So I am hearing a lot of HR people who are trying to advocate for best practices that are trying to change discrimination or illegal issues happening behind the scenes. And there are some people in power who are like, we're well aware. And it's cheaper to pay the fines and to have to revamp everything. Hmm. So there are HR people fighting for change and for justice and for best practices. And it's not always the HR. Sometimes there are powerful people standing in the way who don't want to listen. Right. Wow. That's, that's a great point. Wow. 
Um, and then, and then maybe Beth to finish up here, last question, what is the biggest lesson you are taking from 2020, uh, into, uh, the new year here, 2021? The biggest lesson that I saw was that businesses were forced to let go of the reins and move forward. Like I mentioned, FMLA was adjusted to help people during a tough time. Unemployment was extended for those who lost their jobs. The government started sending aid. Employers started offering remote work flex time. So essentially, it's like the entire structure of the world was forced to show grace, trust, and empathy to people. Um, every entity was forced to step up their games and to give back to those in need. It was no longer not my problem. You've got to figure it out. It was, oh, no, we're, we're all a part of this, and we're going to have to all help each other out to get to where we're going. So I thought that was kind of phenomenal to see this camaraderie because what's enlightening is if you look back at 2008, my mother had just gone through a divorce. My sister and I were in high school, college. She was now a single mom. She was working, had been at her employer for 15 to 20 years, and then got laid off for a year. Mm. And people who went through the recession, some of them lost their, their houses because of the bubble that burst. Sure. People lost their houses, and people didn't care. The banks were like, we're taking your houses. So now the people lost their jobs, and they lost their houses. They had nothing. And in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the lowest level says that you have to basically have a roof over your head, groceries in the fridge, the lights on, the water running. And if you don't have those, you don't even have the basic fundamental step of being able to take care of your own wants and needs. So the difference in 2020 from 2008, 2009 was that everyone gave back. Everyone stepped up. Mm -hmm. People weren't having their houses ripped out from underneath them this time. So I thought that was transformational to show that everyone was pitching in to give back because the entire world was hurting and in pain and people weren't losing their houses this time. I, I want to, I want to cry. That makes me so happy. It's like, yeah. we weren't like, Oh, we got to bail out the banks and now the banks are ripping people's houses away. Like, oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen right now because we've been going through a pandemic for almost a year. And it's wintertime. I couldn't imagine losing my house and having nowhere to go sure. and having to try to figure out what to do. So I'm really thankful that it seems like in, you know, 12 years, we've kind of grown exponentially. You know? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Elizabeth Dillon, thank you so much uh, for being back on the show. Well, one, oh yeah, you do have a, yeah. One more point you want to make um uh that back when you were on the first time so yeah go ahead okay so just one last thing guys in the first season my my kind of sharing was on reintegrating excuse me reintegrating uh veterans into the yeah, workforce and um we had been talking and brian was like what kind of resources do you have and it kind of was like i'm not sure yet my husband's just now deployed i'm trying to figure it out because he had never been active duty before. So this was a brand new ballgame. So I started doing some research. I started following in vets on LinkedIn. So I N and then vets and it's Indiana vets. It's an organization that helps to basically help the veterans in any way they need. So if you and your spouse are trying to get back, they're going to help you. You can look at the USO, the BSO, 
There's also Bet Jobs that's on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, there are other organizations like America Wants You and Am Vets, Am Vets, and then yeah. Vets the Industry, yeah. U.S. Veterans Military Network. There are so many different organizations, and honestly, some of these I just googled like veteran organizations in Indiana. So if you aren't sure and you can't remember what you're looking for, literally you can Google veteran organizations in your state and it'll start to populate what is around you to help you. So even if it's not specifically job related, it's a veteran network. And I tell this to my husband and to everyone I know, networking is key. It's crucial. Mm -hmm. I tell him, network with the people you're deployed with. He was like, why? They're from different parts of the world. I said, you never know when you're going to need a connection, when you might be traveling to another country and you're going to want to know what their experience was. You know, you never know if you're going to be moving and you might end up in their state later. Networking is crucial. And if they don't have the right skills, they can plug you someone who does right so it's all about networking it's all about absolutely absolutely awesome well thank you so much for your time today great conversation uh have a great uh year look forward to uh catching up and having you back on again thank you so much brian it has been a pleasure i am so grateful i hope that everyone who's listening enjoyed and that they follow me on revolutionary hr that they follow your essential hr podcast and i just i wish you guys all the best changing the world. These awesome. are change. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Essential HR Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week where I sit down with HR consultant Brittany Eisenman and we discuss employee care and employee engagement amongst the different generations in today's workplace.